I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Do you have an interest in dark history? Feel drawn to the paranormal? Are you fascinated with true crime? Are you in the market for two new cousins? Well, then you've come to the right place. Each week, your two new favorite cousins will explore all things kooky and dark history. While dabbling in supernatural and criminal activity here in our home state, Oklahoma. So join us on this exploration of a different side of Oklahoma history. You might just learn something kooky. Or spooky. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Including Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon, and Google. We think you'll like it. Find us at Curious Cousins. And just tell them what to keep it. Keep it kooky and spooky. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. Well, number one, this is called the Cousins Club because uh, we all realized that each of us has a cousin who was uh, murdered. I have Jean with me. Jean Gray is here. Hello, everyone. I have Rick Rollins. And I got Bill Shackelford. Hey, You look good, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So we're just going to talk about um, some more personal stuff. Some of us have changed names and places and stuff like that. Um, On my story, the names will remain the same because there's an actual documentary about it. Oh, okay. Oh, right. But you have more than one. That's right. Okay, the the one that happened recently will have very vague details in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was like, this is when I realized we all have cousins. Because right. this was like, what, a month ago? Yeah. For yours? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, the ones with the least amount of details. I'm going to go to, I don't know if you guys know this, but Rick and Bill are cousins. And I was murdered. It's <laughs> <was laughs> true. We're here to talk about Bill. We're here to exercise him. Right Sometimes now. I can still hear him. He will not leave. <laughs> I think y'all's I mean, were, was like, listen, ours, was it 2010? If we 2011? Tell, no, 2010. Uh, let me look at the date on that. Me, no, uh, I'm pretty sure it's 2010. It was like a I'm year before I met 40% you all. 40% sure that it's 2010. Yes, 100% okay. sure now that I have looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I have our producers. She's usually like, we right there. And we just go, when was it? She I know. Tweeted, and then we move on to lives. Could and not I mean, be here today. It's like we knew a lot about it when it happened, but that you know, it's been a while. But it's been a decade. Yeah, it's been twelve years. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about what happened two months ago. You know what I mean? Well, I keep track of my own life. <laughs> yeah, what am I supposed to be remembering as, everything? <laughs> yeah, as best you can remember. <laughs> I want to tell you all the events that I know of that led up to the moment. There's not a lot more details to it than that. Well, I know that there wasn't anything in the paper. There was one article in the paper. It gave absolutely no details, and that was it. So, as far as I understand it, there was this guy named Duke. Like, uh, it was like Tony Duke or something. I don't even know. And then he was friends with another guy named Bones. 
Bones? Bones. Okay. That's a real thing. All right. Now these two well, that dudes, was a, a nickname. Yeah, it's I'm not pretty sure. on his birth certificate. Like, that's <laughs> just what did, everybody calls I did not assume Bones that it was. Junior. Well, I mean, you say but, that, but... And I, and I don't think it was... Was his name Tony? Yeah, Anthony Tony. Duke was his name. So oh, that's a guy. That's a guy. Tony Duke. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I always forget Tony is short for Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Okay. Or, um, like, whatever. What for is, the record, I'm just learning this today like i'm today you're that I'm, also right now i am today years old when i anthony I, when i just discovered tony. no tony i thought tony was just it that's I, the default. I did too tony like i knew bill was short for william and like i understood that but what you're telling me just seems like a lie man i remember when uh it's real what's it's that real. that motivational speaker tony, tony robbins yeah. yeah he came out with a book when i worked at hastings and the display and it said anthony robbins and a lady was like Oh, who's that? And I was like, I guess it's like Tony Robbins' brother or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I don't, know. I don't even think he knows. Honestly, they're different uh, dudes. Wow. Just riding his coattails with wow. this Tony Anthony business. <clears throat> sometimes uh, it is just Tony. Just okay. FYI. Right, yes, that, that's true. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I appreciate you um, validating my concern. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's not Anthony at all. Sometimes it's Tone Loke. I'll never look at another <laughs> Tony <laughs> the same way again. I'll tell yeah. you that. <laughs> Or Tony, Tony, Tony. That's three different Tonys. <laughs> it's so. three different. <laughs> right. Okay, so, I'm sorry. Okay. We're getting... It doesn't matter. Okay. None of this matters. Uh, <laughs> Bones was Bones. It's not on his driver's license. He pulled over and they go, oh, Bones. I see it right here. It says Bones. not like share or whatever. We just called him Bones. So if you Google Connerville, Oklahoma, no, you got to look up Connerville, Oklahoma. A small town near Tishomingo, You got to look up Oklahoma. Connerville, Oklahoma, and you'll go, oh, all right. Yeah, that's where this happens. Uh, so, I guess Bones and Tony had a meth house. Oh, like, and like you do. And a, and a weed house. Like, they sold drugs out of the house. It was okay. like a big drug house. Now In we, Connerville? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's two things to do in Connerville, and that's one of them. So, they were doing that part. That's their job. Okay. They do that. And then they had this girl. I think, was it Amber? That was her name? Again, I don't remember. I think it was Amber. <laughs> I think it was her name. Doesn't matter. We're doing it was great. There's a female. There was a female... That uh, well, I don't even think. I mean, I'm sure drugs had something to do. Well, with you know it, what? Her name's Amber now. To do with a lot Ooh. of stuff. All right, so Horrible Amber, Amber is that the wasn't female. like a big deal. No, it wasn't part of it. It just was part of the arresting bit and the setting. Does that okay. make sense? All right. So uh, yeah, because when this cat got arrested, he was on uh, first degree murder, possession of marijuana with intent to distribute, possession of drug paraphernalia, and maintaining a house frequented for drug use. Okay. They got him on all, all of that. And okay. then I guess she didn't even have anything to do with it, but they arrested her for possession of marijuana with intent to distribute drug paraphernalia and maintaining a house frequently for drugs. I guess she like, lived got there all of them for the same him? thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, along with like a bunch of guns and a bunch of other stuff. All right. So Luke Shackelford and Jake Shackelford were there during, and this is literally all I know about it. They were there, and there was an argument between these two. Four humans. Okay. About the girl. About the girl. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cut to multiple gunshots. Jake was shot and wounded, and Luke was shot and killed. Guns don't guns. kill people. <laughs> drugs kill people with guns. Drugs, <laughs> drugs holding guns yes. kill people. Drugs holding guns <laughs> kill people. I also learned something today. Ben. It's very educational. Well, from what I know of the story, and that's I mean, all I know. And, like, I, I mean, I don't know a lot, but uh, 
So, Anthony and Amber married. And Correct. I think he was gone. Uh, common law, by the way. Not like real no, oh, was Not it? legally. Yeah. I'm, well, that is legally, but not like they didn't it, go down the courthouse. ceremony. No, the, he stepped out in the parking lot of the convenience store and said, This one's mine. And everybody else said, oh, All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was well, that probably didn't. That's hearsay. I think that's how but, you get married in Carnival, though. It you might just, be. That's it. You uh, just say it louder than anyone else. <laughs> She's your wife now. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, well, they were, I guess, common law married or whatever. And he, I believe, worked in the oil field. So he's gone all the time. Mm-hmm. So and he was she, still running drugs? I guess so. I mean, I, I mean, is I it don't, just I that boring uh, there? That's literally I, the first I've heard about that part. Again, so. I don't know if any of that part is true. I just know that they arrested him for maintaining a house frequently right. for drug use, arrested him for intent to distribute, and possession. Okay. That's all I and know. Intent to distribute is just like an amount you have a on A ton you. of yeah. it, yeah. That yeah. means they had more than whatever the normal a amount you could it. smoke in one sitting. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so uh, he was gone all the time. So Jake and her started fooling around. That's what that was about. And uh, I guess he got wind of it when he was back in town. So they started fooling around. And then I guess uh, Anthony found out about it. Mm-mm. And then when he was back in town, from what I understood, he got... Uh, this may have just been rumor from when I heard it. But he got uh, old girl to lure Jake over there from what I from oh. what I've heard I, I, again I have no idea what's true and what's not mm. and it, it's worth mentioning the only things that I know about it well and what I remember people saying at the funeral right and I left literally 20 minutes after the funeral was over like, yeah so however long it takes me to walk from the funeral to my car those mm-hmm. are the details I know about it yeah That's it. and all of mine's you know secondhand. Yeah. People talking, which could be anything. I think that's kind of the point of this episode, though. It's because, like, I usually deliver this well-researched, fact-driven, but then there are people like us who it's literally happened in our family, and we have no freaking clue what actually happened. It's, yeah. it's a testament to being able to interview, like, survivors of an accident. Yeah. Is that, like, that... I mean, that happened to our family. Everyone in our family knew everything about our family, and mm-hmm. I know three things. Yeah. I mean, so he lured him over there, and Luke went with him, you know, brother. And uh, when they get there, I guess uh, Jake and, and Tony probably started, you know, fighting and doing what you do, fighting. It was, uh, I think Bones may have came out with a gun. I don't think he ever shot, if I'm remembering right. So far as I understand, Bones never fired a shot. Just yeah. brought it out there to bring it down. That's what I understood. Yeah. So then I think Luke comes out with a gun. And again, this is just what people told me. His gun wasn't loaded, which I guess he was just trying to scare him off, off of Jake. Uh, Luke gets shot in the heart, dies instantly. Oh, my God. Correct. Yeah. And then... Uh, when Jake sees it, he gets up to run to Luke, and he gets shot in the back. Oh, shit. And I think that's what actually put uh, O'Dude in jail, is the shooting in Jake the, in the back. Because he got 10 years? Well, that also uh, sounds premeditated, remember. if you I ask me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know anything well, about the premeditated. I don't, I don't know, know how anything that about out. that. I know that uh, he wasn't accused of murdering 
Luke because Luke was brandishing and aggressive. Uh, so it's self-defense okay. on that part. Okay. But he shot Jake in the back, and that's, yeah. what, that's what got him. Like multiple times in the back. Correct. It was like three oh. times. Jesus. Yeah, that'll do uh, And then I think they had the trial in Tishomingo, if I remember correctly. I would believe you if you said it with more confidence. Yeah. I don't know. That's going to be in old Johnson County. Mm-hmm. Shooting with intent to kill. Hey, there you go. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this was 12 years ago. I think he only got 10, and then I'm sure... That's... Off with whatever. good behavior or whatever the rule is there. Mm-hmm. Paroling. What is it? Three, yeah. Three-fourths of your thing? Mm-hmm. That is going to be the trend for the day. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. After hearing testimonies, the court sentences the defendant to eight years in the mm. Department of Corrections, with the last four years suspended to pay restitution in the amount of $46,000. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. And here's the thing, and I, I say this all the time, in Oklahoma, you only have to serve 85% of your sentence. So, eight years turns into, well, eight years of the last four, so that was four years, and 85% of four years is what? So anything else he got, like while he was in jail, that's what because I saw contempt and all that shit, and and those other charges. That's mm-hmm. what took him up to serve until 2017. It's fun to read that your cousin's life is worth forty six thousand seven hundred fifty seven dollars. Yeah, yes, shit. that's where I'm at. And, that's and f- what four years, and then what he yeah. did? Se- uh, he was in there for seven. It was only four. So that means. Three years yes. because he had some drug paraphernalia. Only four yes. for and, and yes. cousin's life. Yeah, mm-hmm. one extra year yeah. for a life. So that's real cool, Oklahoma. Yeah. Every even within a family, I have learned that things drastically change between one person. Yeah, and, and the it's other. the weirdest part about it. You literally have two people that have multiple different sources that give them information. This is all you know. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, life is just a continuous uh, telephone game. Never no. stops. It just changes every time it goes from one person to the next. A little bit changes. A little details change. So, Of course, my cousin, I'm not going to pretend like he was like an angel. I know that your cousins were also not angels. No one is? No. Uh, however, I would like to state, doesn't warrant murder. Agre- again, <laughs> agree. <laughs> Completely. Agree. I mean, uh, my cousin, uh, Lane, he had a, he did have a rap sheet. Again, doesn't warrant murder. And here's the deal. The thing that happened to him had nothing to do with any of that. From what I understand, he was in his yard. Uh, He lived in Latta, Oklahoma. And he was in his yard doing something in his garage or something. Um, He had his dog out there, which was a pit bull. Really pretty pit bull. And this guy that lived on the same street as him, it was like a dead-end street, Lived down the road. Apparently, they had words every now and then about his dog. One day, when he's in his own yard, his own garage, he's got his dog out there with him. I believe his girlfriend was there with him, too, at the time. This guy, who lives further down near the dead end of the street, is in his truck and is leaving to exit, go somewhere, wherever, in his truck. And he sees Lane in the front of his yard. And decides to just stop in the middle of the road and start yelling at him about his dog. So Lane ends up walking over, because they're like just yelling at each other. Lane ends up walking over to the driver's side of the truck, which is stopped in the middle of the street. And the windows are down. And they get into a fight verbally there. From what I understand, 
Lane ended up punching this dude in the face. This guy's name was Casey Cole, by the way. And he pulled out a gun and shot him right there in the street. Lane had a hold of him and punched him. And he floored it to try to get Lane off of him. And then backed up and then just shot him. Damn. Very shitty deal. You opened your mouth. It got you punched. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. escalated it to murder. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, why don't you, like, why are you not minding your own business? The dog was, from what I understand, on its own property, leashed in the garage. I had a neighbor that hated my boxers for, I don't know why. I remember. Okay, the guy that hated my dogs, he had uh, a lot of mental problems. He was an older guy. I think he was a vet. And then he had mental problems on top of that. And, and it's ignorance. So did, did. No. Oh, dude didn't have any. No. No? Nope. Just an asshole. Just an asshole. And from what I understand, so my cousin Lane was 28 when this happened. And this happened in 2018 um, in Ada, which technically happened in Lada, but it was in, it's, that is near, right near Ada. Um, but no, this dude, I can't remember how old he was, but I think he was in his late 20s or his early 30s. And I think he had some sort of rap sheet, but like neither of them, other than these interactions about the dog, like neighborly disputes or whatever had nothing to do with each other really and that guy from what i heard it, it he was fit to stand trial totally fine nothing yeah. nothing wrong and then and then the stupid part is so when this whole mcgirt thing came up which we talked about so because my cousin was native american this fell under McGirt, and they actually, I because they didn't know how to prosecute any of that. And then they got him, and they held him, and they held him for a really long time, and they just never knew what they were going to do with him. And then they gave them a deadline. Uh, eventually, they gave him a deadline to either turn it over to federal courts or just let him go. That that was that's the options. Hmm. And so they turned it over to federal. Federal said, we don't really have a case here, came to us, to the family, and said, basically, if we take this to trial, you're not going to win because what? because he was claiming self-defense. What? What? He said Lane ran up to his truck and just immediately attacked him, and he was defending himself by shooting him in the middle of the road in front of his family. They said they did not have enough evidence to prove any of it. So what they did was, is they asked, uh, they asked his parents, um, if, and this is, I don't know if, if you guys out there know this, most of the time when someone gets a plea deal, they have talked to the victim's families. The victim's families usually have to agree to that. I've heard that. And so they came to his parents and said, Hey, if we take this to trial, we're not going to get it. We're going to have to offer a plea deal. And that's what they did offered him a plea deal and he got 136 months oh my 136 months she also said some of that was time served you know yes but yeah it was 136 months to 158 months with time served oh and he served since 2018 so is he like where is he now um so they are waiting for official sentencing They've offered the plea deal. It has been accepted, but they still have to, like, um, what is it called? Like, legalize it, whatever. They still have to go to sentencing in front of a judge. The judge says, 
did you guys all agree to this? They say yes, and then they, like, implement it. Did he bond out, or is he sitting in a pair of orange pajamas right now? He he is in pri- he is in jail right oh, now. Oh, okay. He's in, right. I believe he's, okay. in, he's in county right now. So how, how long is 136 months? It's roughly 11 years and what? It'd be... And yeah, like no, it was like twelve years and something like that. That's what I remember. Or twelve years? 12 no, because one hundred and forty-four would be twelve. So it'd be like eleven and then years and six months or something. Whatever they give him for time served, which I don't even know yet because that part hasn't been um, doled out yet. And then eighty-five percent of that sentence. So and then of course there was fines and shit. So mm-hmm. you know, so my cousin's life was worth whatever. One hundred and thirty-six months. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's like, I know that he wasn't an angel. I know that, but 136 months. Yeah. But yeah, so kind of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. no, very much. The whole thing is bullshit. And then Gene uh, actually has two, which we didn't know. One is a documentary. It was a documentary on... Um, almost got away with it if you guys are familiar with it it tells the story from the criminal who almost got away with it i was pissed the whole time mm. we were watching it has um i'll go ahead and get into it if you guys if we're yeah, ready do okay. it tell us so uh this began in uh the year 2005 in durant oklahoma good old durant oklahoma durant durant begins with the man named kevin cross in the town of Durant, he's very notorious for selling drugs, guns. He called himself the drug lord of Durant. Okay. Uh, bragged about shooting up people's houses, burning people's house down, who could not afford to pay him for the things that he sold them. Damn. He was very proud of that. Um, so on this particular day, August 27, 2005, Kevin Cross learns that his cousin, uh, Peggy, has been physically abused by her boyfriend. We'll call him Max. He calls my cousin. This is when my cousin comes into the story. His name was Scotty Sheffield. And uh, he basically calls him to help devise a plan for revenge against Peggy's abusive boyfriend. Scotty agrees. He's like, okay, um, so here's the plan. Well, I'll pick him up in my car and we'll meet in a field, a wooded area outside where we always meet for something. They did that. Scotty picked up Max, took him to a remote location 10 miles outside of Durant, where Kevin and a third associate, uh, Doug, is waiting for them. They force him out of the car. Scotty drives off. At this point, Scotty is no longer associated with what is about to happen. Kevin and Doug start beating Max and threatening him to send a message. This is kind of like the catalyst of what happens to Scotty later. In the middle of them beating Max, uh, this random car pulls up. And uh, Max was able to get up, run to, to the car, and they drive away. And, of course, it scares Kevin and Doug, and they're like, oh, shit, well, there's witnesses now. Great. Immediately, Max calls the police and reports Kevin Cross. Bryan County officials launch a kidnapping investigation, because it's, I guess, technically considered kidnapping at this point. If you move mm-hmm. a person 10 feet without their permission, yeah, it's, it's kidnapping. Yeah, it's kidnapping, yeah. They did trick him. He didn't know that was going to happen, so he did go on his own accord, but that's not justifying the actions that took place afterwards, of course. So the next day, uh, following Max's uh, complaint, the police show up at my cousin Scotty's house. They ask him... Uh, about Kevin and his involvement with this incident involving Max. 
Scotty initially refused. He's like, no, man, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what happened. Um, and then, well, they said, well, if you don't tell us what happens, um, you'll get 30 years in life or 30 years in prison for kidnapping. He's like, Scotty thought about it. He's like, okay. I will tell you now. <laughs> Scotty thought about it and he's like, okay, I'll go ahead. I'll write a witness statement. And he writes the statement, essentially turning on Kevin to keep himself out of prison. So after that, police go to Doug's house. That was the guy who stayed behind with Kevin to beat Max. Um, They question him and do the same thing, threaten him 30 years for kidnapping. Doug refuses to turn on him. He doesn't write a statement. Yeah, yeah, this is a nightmare. (laughs) The police hand him the clipboard with the, hand Doug the clipboard with the witness statements on it. Underneath the blank statement was Scotty's statement against Kevin. So oh. Doug is holding it, flipping through. He sees Max's statement, then he sees and Scotty's then statement. On yeah. him that he's so Doug is like, okay, well, that's not good. Doug immediately calls Kevin after the police leave, after he uh, refuses to write a witness statement. He's like, hey, man, um, so Scotty kind of ratted you out, man. And Kevin was like, well, we're going to have to do something about that. So Kevin devises a plan with his girlfriend, Tammy, to dress up sexily, go and flirt with Scotty, lure him to the woods, saying there's a party out here. All this luring in this episode. <laughs> yep. Um, lures him out there, says there's a party, we can go, we can make out or whatever. Scotty says, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, who's going to turn it down, you know? Scotty's a young man, she's an attractive woman, so sure. So, she goes to his house and finally gets him to agree to go with her. Later that night, Tammy picks him up, takes him out of the woods, this remote location uh, outside of Durant, uh, Kevin, his half-brother, Junior, and another associate, John, are waiting for them. They confront my cousin, Scotty. They pull him out of the car. Tammy drives off. So there's like a there's a of trend course. here. <laughs> um, they beat him uh, viciously, all three of them with bats. They force him to crawl, uh, mocking him, say, crawling for your life, um, just basically just being subhuman. And then uh, Kevin finally shoots him two times in the head with a shotgun. They Holy shit. Then bury his body in a very shallow grave out there in this rural area 10 miles outside of Durant. This was uh, eight days after Scotty was murdered. One of Kevin's accomplices, uh, John, who was a part of it, he was at a party and he began uh, bragging about what he was a part of to a bunch of other people, a bunch of his friends. Some of those partygoers um, ended up calling the police, say, hey, um, this guy basically just admitted to murdering this guy, um, Scotty. Four days before this, um, they, uh, Scotty's mom actually put out a missing person. And uh, they're like, I don't think he's missing. I think he's murdered and he's But they hadn't here. actually found his body? Not yet, because they just thought he was missing at this point. Okay. But John was bragging about killing him. He's like, he's not missing. He's actually dead. So um, they later go to John's house after getting these tips. They detain him, interrogate him, and um, he basically flips immediately. He gives like up. Like you do. He gave up all the information about the plan to kill Scotty and everyone who was involved. So uh, junior premeditated. Oh yeah. And uh, later that night, the police find Scotty's body based on all that information. Two days later, that's September 11th, 2005, a warrant is issued for kidnapping and murder. Kevin Cross, yeah. This causes Kevin and Junior, his bro- his half-brother, they flee to Mexico to hide out. 
So they're gone. They're over the border, 500 miles south of Mexico. And uh, they meet up with another guy who is also on the run for criminal charges. His name is Bill, and he provides them refuge in a house that he has there. So there's this guy betting couple criminals out there do i am i remembering this correctly was he on the top 10 most wanted list or something like that at the uh, time? i believe so because i i think i remember that he did have a ten thousand dollar prize on yeah. his head oh there you go so yeah um so in the background during all this time uh durant pd was working with border control and texas state troopers to of course continue the investigation they're just wondering how we're we gonna get this guy back cross border how we're we gonna extradite him Three weeks later, in Mexico, Kevin is running out of money. It's a very well-known fact that if you're in Mexico and you don't have money, you're not going to be able to live there for very long. Now, remember, he had a girlfriend who delivered Scotty. Mm-hmm. He also has a wife what, as well. Wait, wait, So wait. Kevin Kevin had a wife as well. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and this guy's <laughs> just firing on, on all, all cylinders. cylinders. I'm telling you, he is just... Doing great. In the documentary, it shows the actual Kevin Cross bragging about having multiple girlfriends, and then he brings his wife into the mix as well. Like, he's not a good dude. This is why this documentary that we were talking about is not... It's very infuriating, especially, of course, for family, because he's sitting there, he's like... He's laughing and mocking, especially the the part where he's describing how he murdered... This is why I do not condone uh, series like that. Where it's literally just the murderer talking about how he murdered Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. It just dehumanizes people. It gets worse. It gets so much worse. So he calls his wife, Pam, uh, instructs her to go out into their yard because he's got $180,000 hidden in an ammo box um, buried out by a drug money, right? Yeah, he's like, What's this guy, Cousin Eddie? So she goes out there, uh, digs this up, and her plan is to meet him in a town on the border in Mexico so she can give him this money. Um, A a neighbor witnesses her digging up this money. That neighbor calls the police and says, hey. There's um, some weird lady digging in her yard. And of course, well, digging in someone else's yard. Well, at this time. Wait, wait, wait. Was it the girlfriend digging in the yard? It was the wife. The wife digging. The wife. Girlfriends don't dig in the yard. Girlfriends don't dig. Wife's job. (laughs) Gotcha. The girlfriends. That goes forever. Noted. (laughs) Girlfriend's job is to lure men to the field to to get murdered. To their death. Yeah, and it's the wife's job to take the holes. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They get murdered. Gotta get all this straight, man. All right. So, well, around this time, actually, it was a well known fact. what Kevin Cross did and who his wife is. So the neighbor did know. So everybody's been talking about it. The neighbor did know that that was Pam and she was getting money and they put two and two together like, oh my God, she's taking money. She's going to take money to Mexico. Yeah. So um, the troopers and everyone, after getting these uh, these hints, they, they kind of put up these um, the spots to look for their car, their car subscription to be mm-hmm. able to pull them over and get the money and hopefully use them as decoys to get a hold of him. So Bill... Meanwhile, this is all happening. Bill, the guy who was abetting them in Mexico, um, he realized there was that reward money for Kevin. Yeah, he did. $10,000. Yep. Yeah, he did. He uh, devised a plan. How are you going to collect <laughs> the money if you also are wanted? He actually struck a deal. He, he said what? He struck a deal. He's like, can I get free and can I get the money if I tell you where these no. guys are? Yes. So Bill had a... <laughs> Bill had a plan. Moral of the story is do not trust your friends. No shit. <laughs> yeah. So he devised a plan to set them up by instructing them to go to a hotel. Because at this time, Kevin uh, realized uh, 
that his wife was pulled over. She was pulled over and the money was taken. She was taken into custody and questioned. They gave her a phone, instructed her to call him and try to get information from him. Try to see where he was. He became very suspicious. He was ask, He was asking her things like, uh, turn up their car radio. I want to hear the car radio. Open the door. I want to hear the traffic. And she just becomes uh, just very overwhelmed, and she just refuses to do it. Mm. So at that point, he knew, well, she's working with the police. That's great. So knowing that, they, he knew, well, they're right behind me. They're going to find me. So Bill, the guy who's devising a plan to turn against him, He's like, hey, I know a place you guys can go. There's a hotel in Mexico. Just hold up there. <laughs> you just stay Meanwhile, right there. Don't move. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's contacting the Mexican federal police <laughs> to surround the hotel. And um, he is then taken into custody. He and John taken into custody September 27th, 2005. Three weeks later, they're extradited back to Oklahoma. And in February of 2006, that's the following year, uh, Kevin uh, devises a plan with two other inmates to overpower one of the Bryan County officers because he, the time that he spent there, he realized that a single key works on everything in there. Oh, no. So, is over- that true? Wow. Hopefully, that's not still true today. I don't know if it's still true, but it, 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 was, it was for, oh my God. Very observant. Oh, I mean,. He had it down, man. He was wow. very keen on getting the hell out of there. I hope there was like a drawer and it was labeled uh, like Skeleton key to the front door and you something. open it up and it's just a sign that says it's the one you already had. It's the one you already had. <laughs> That's the keys secret. to everything. That's <laughs> on a big hook. Keys to it's one Lord. key. That's so, the real key is knowledge. So he escaped, I'm guessing, is where you're going. He colludes with two other inmates. They overpower this officer in the process, assaulting this officer horribly. And they're able to escape. Ugh. So, yes. Uh, he escapes into Bennington um, and hides out in a barn, wooded area. Um, he steals some clothes and a 12-gauge shotgun out of the back of a dude's truck. Just chilling Because this is Oklahoma. They just have them. <laughs> we just have them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, at this point, um, he obviously didn't get his money, the $180,000. Mm-hmm. So, he's running low on funds, running low on food. He calls his mom to meet him somewhere to bring him food. Mom, oh, bring me food. Always comes back yep. to mama. Mm-hmm. She meets him out in Bennington, picks him up. Uh, they drive around for approximately 45 minutes. And um, whenever he initially made the call, um, Bryan County PD were able to tap into that call, and they knew what was going on. And they so they put aerial surveillance on his mother at this oh. time. So, but it was a heavily wooded area. So they lose sight of this car for 45 minutes. Oh my. You had one job. (laughs) You're in a fucking helicopter. (laughs) Follow the van in the right hand lane with left turn blinker on. It's probably white. (laughs) So, guess what? He gets out of the car and runs back into the wooded area. (laughs) He gets away again. They uh, end up pulling mom over uh, pulling guns on her. Get out of the car. Get out of the car, Kevin. And she's like, Kevin ain't in here. We <laughs> <laughs> just missed him. We yes. <laughs> just missed him. <laughs> He's in the woods. <laughs> well, so plan B. With the help of some track dogs, this is uh, February 26, 2005. They locate Kevin's hideout. Surround him. They finally found him hiding out in Biddington. Still in the woods? Still in the woods. Oh he went back to the same barn? 
That he stole yeah, the shotgun. The from? one. Yep. Smart no, guy. well, Smart no, guy. there was a different one because oh, that was that was a okay. place where someone actually lived in. He That's just what stole I was shit say. Yeah, he that stole shit from there. Did he go back there and just hang out in the barn. That's he just dumb. found a barn. There. He found a different barn. Found, okay. Yep. Lots of barns here. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know, you're not wrong. Lots of hideouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, SWAT had that place surrounded thanks to the dogs and um, taken back to prison. Back, that's all she wrote. But it's not really. Take him to a prison with two goddamn <laughs> keys. <laughs> Did they so, change the keys after that, or no? <laughs> he wasn't able to escape that time. Um, and then, kind of like wrapping it up here, Kevin's brother Junior is, as of 2006, serving 45 years in McAllister State Penitentiary. John um, is serving 15 years. Kevin's mother is given. <gasps> 10 years what? in prison for aiding and abetting. What? Go to jail, mama. <laughs> oh, mom. Kevin, but this is how, this is Damn. in 2005. Things happen, okay? 10 um, years for aiding and abetting and my cousin got, okay, but, let's move but moving on. <laughs> keep McGirt in mind, okay? Oh, yeah, this yep. affected yours, mm-hmm. too. Kevin takes a plea deal to avoid the death penalty and was serving life without the possibility of parole with an additional 35 years after the first prison escape and the assault on that officer. I pulled this directly from the KXII news article in 2021. Under the McGirt Supreme Court ruling, Kevin, a native Choctaw, was granted a federal retrial in Scotty's case because the state had no jurisdiction to try him because of his native descent and the fact that the murder was committed on Indian territory. Kevin is still being held in the Dick Connor Correctional Facility and was appointed a public defender out of New Mexico by federal government. So, and this was in 2021. So we're still waiting for another trial for him. Right. And uh, possibly his mother. I didn't have any information about that, but I'm assuming she's Probably, also yeah. Choctaw. So. Yeah. So that's Jesus. the story of all that shit. Um, so basically his guilty was thrown completely out. And they're going Waiting to completely for retry him. Uh, it's also probably the case for his uh, brother, Junior, who was supposed to be serving 45 years. Because well, uh, he's also talked to Why wouldn't he be? Mm. No, no other word on John, um, the guy who um, helped beat Scotty with a bat. So, okay. that's fun. It says the last recorded trial date was for him was for October 5th, 2021 at 1.30 p.m. But I don't see anything after that. Post-conviction relief, it's a legal term that refers to the process of challenging either the verdict or the sentence in a criminal case that has resulted in a conviction. So, so all of, all that is saying is McGirt is challenging it. Oh, okay. And, oh, and it, is, already, uh, it is a dot, dot, dot right now. All right. We'll just have to keep checking on it. And that all that happened in 2005, but then... What was it, a month or two ago, something else happened in your family? Oh, yes. Um, So this one's still fresh, so I'm going to just kind of be very vague about the names. Um, It's an open, open for a little bit, maybe a couple days, and then immediately shut. Um, Her first name was Chelsea. She was with one of her male friends uh, in the parking lot of her apartment complex. And this is a completely other, completely different... um cousin yes this is a different cousin both of them i believe were on my mom's side okay um so this ex she's already had an abusive past with him he's very abusive i think days before he ended up breaking her jaw whoa and she ended up having to get surgery to correct it one of her last facebook posts was how happy she was to be able to devour this 
cake or something because oh. she finally got her jaw fixed. Oh she was doing everything right, um, getting out um, of an abusive relationship. She was um, working. She was trying to get her life back on track after exiting this relationship. She had actually gotten a protective order against him not long before this incident took place. And when you go and look at his record, I wanted to read just a couple of his previous charges. He has a lot of previous charges, but most notably in 2009, uh, he actually pled guilty to these next charges. Kidnapping, assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, domestic abuse by strangulation, assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, so, yeah, two charges of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. And he was convicted for all of these. There's some other charges in between this and the incident, but you see her getting a protective order just a couple of months before this happened to her. And so I thought that it was kind of important for me to come back in here and let you know that not only did she know that he was dangerous, but the system knew that he was dangerous. And... And he basically walked right through that restraining order. So she's with another friend, um, a male friend, who is in the parking lot of their um, apartment complex. When her ex pulls up, he starts yelling at him. Um, he pulls a gun. He turns the gun on the male friend, shoots him a couple times, and a, uh, one of them being in the head. Oh, he ends up not dying, but pa- he ends up dying. Uh, well, not dying, but passing out, losing consciousness. Yeah. And of course, upon seeing this, Chelsea turns and tries to run. Yeah. He shoots her two times in the back. She falls down. He walks up to her and shoots her multiple times in the face. Just like point blank. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And at this time, one of her family members, I believe it was um, her uncle, was actually security for that um, place and he was in the office or something the neighbor who witnessed this entire thing ran in there like my neighbor just got shot and uh he he later states that he knew that it was chelsea he knew that it was and he runs out there and um he sees the guy running away he's unable to stop him or do anything about it so he gets away um a couple days later he well they had like a cross county search for him they did there was a manhunt Mm -hmm. i remember so my mom posted a video uh where they were doing like um air surveillance because they thought that he was in the ada area right at one point which he's not even anywhere from ada no this happened in ardmore Ardmore, right Mm -hmm. and they were looking for him in ada because they thought he might have ties or had gone that way and i was like oh that's uh that's Jean's thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have to keep that, keep updated with that. But then they found him. They did. He ended up somewhere um, else. He ended up breaking into an abandoned house. And uh, it was reported that he died of self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Oh. Yeah. It was uh, not investigated after that. 
Shut immediately. Dot, dot, dot. Sounds like case closed. I was going to say, can we talk about how that's the only one of these stories with the ending that I wanted? Yeah. And that was somewhere, it wasn't back in Ardmore. It was like 10 miles north or something. It was, yeah. It wasn't in Ardmore. Was it like an abandoned neighborhood or just that one house? I I think it was just a house. It may have been like a, like kind of like a suburban building. This whole situation is sad, but Chelsea actually just turned into a statistic. And the reason why I say that, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I think more of us need to be aware of it. I've taken several classes and courses on domestic violence and strangulation. What I have come to see is that number one, in a domestic violence situation, where there is a firearm present, it is 500% more likely that someone will end up dead in that situation. And then you add the history. If there is a history of strangulation, the next time this the person is, is 800 times more likely to kill you in the future. The odds, literally a 500% increase plus an 800% increase, the odds were literally stacked against her. Chelsea's, uh, the friend that was shot first, he was in a coma for a while. Oh, He's no. now out of it and doing well. Oh, He's doing good. a lot better. Good, good, good. That's good. He does know what happened. Um, obviously, not too thrilled about it. Yeah. And she is leaving behind two very young boys. I believe they are four and two. Oh, who's damn currently Jesus in Christ. custody of um, other family members. Oh. So. They weren't, like, there for that. No, I think she just sent them off to school. I kind of wanted to make sure that we ended this episode on... We don't always know what's going on, even within our own family. And that's okay. It's okay. Just because it's your family, your family member, doesn't mean that you're required to have all of the answers. And I've seen this also in the in some of the victim family that, that we speak to here. A lot of people expect them to be the authority to have all of the information on these cases. And that's just that's just not reality. The fact that maybe they were too young to know exactly what was going on. Um, the fact that maybe, you know, you have a large family who's getting a lot of secondhand information. And a lot of times, maybe the only information that we can even get is, is from the media. Maybe the rest of the family doesn't want to be forthcoming with information. And a lot of us don't know how to access court records. We don't know how to obtain the information on our own. And so I wanted to just make sure that we all knew that you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to. Just because this happened to a member of your family or even a best friend or someone really close to you, it doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. We all have stuff that affects us a lot. Like sometimes you don't even know until you start talking to each other no, about not at it. All. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wanted you guys to know out there that like you're not alone. Yeah. You never know what somebody's going through. Just, you know, if you're listening to this and your family or friend and you recognize this and you know our story, 
thank you for any thoughts or prayers that you sent our way. It gets easier later, but we're never going to forget these people, just like we wouldn't forget anyone else that we ever do a show about in here. So That's all. That's it. That's it. Get That's out. That's it. Get out of here. Come back here Get ever again. The hell out. <laughs> You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?